Welcome to Kickoff Labs on Growth. I'm Josh Ledgard from Kickoff Labs, and we're going to use this podcast to share advice on growing sustainable businesses through the stories of our customers, our team, and anyone else with something to teach us. In this episode, I'm going to share my interview with Will Russell from RussellMarketing.co. Will started his own agency three years ago that specializes in managing crowdfunding launches for companies. They've grown to seven employees and helped their clients raise millions of dollars in the process. We'll go step-by-step step through the system they've developed, how they use Kickoff Labs, and important lessons like how you get people to sign up and share your campaign before you've even launched the presale. If you enjoy this episode, write us a review on iTunes or your podcasting service of choice. Enjoy the show. All right, we are live and on air with Will Russell from Will Russell Marketing. Um, I want to say thanks for being here, Will. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, and the first thing I'd like to say is congratulations. Uh, when I was looking at some recent top uh, campaigns at Kickoff Labs, your accounts, your account name kept coming up. You seem to have found a process for repeatable success when it comes to getting leads for your clients, and I definitely want to get into that today. But before we dig into uh, that process and how you and your company, uh, your agency works for your clients, uh, I want to get a little bit more uh, information on you. So can you tell people a bit about your background and where you're coming from in this journey? Sure. So I started a, it was a freelancing business at the time, which was about three years ago. And that, that was Will Russell Marketing. Uh, and then about a year and a half ago, I transitioned that from a freelancing business to uh, more of a digital agency, which is now the name Russell Marketing. Uh, and we specialize in uh, product launch marketing. So we help companies launch their products, usually products, sometimes events, sometimes the business themselves. I've been in marketing for over a decade, about a decade now. And Have you always been a freelancer? So, no, at, no I, I decided I was working in the nonprofit space actually for a few years. Uh, and then I quit that job uh, to start my own freelancing business. And then, as I say, that's kind of developed now. And uh, I think part of what we'll talk about today is what that development looks like from a systems process. But now we are a, a, a more formal agency with, with seven of us on board. Um, and, and as I say, the, the services have fluctuated a little bit as that system has progressed uh, from all sorts of different kinds of marketing. But now we, we focus specifically on, on product launch marketing. Well, that's, that's amazing. So you've grown this agency in the past three years. It started out with being just you three years ago? Yeah, it was just me. Uh, and now you've got seven people uh, working, working for your agency, helping clients? Correct, yeah. That's uh, that's a great <laughs> that's a great story. I'm sure a lot of people running uh, who are freelancing would love to uh, love to know. So what's what's before we get into a specific clients? What's been the key for you finding clients and kind of growing? Is it the fact that you've specialized in this niche, or what are you doing to to find you know new clients to keep the growth coming in? Specializing is super important in my opinion. We we. Originally, I wasn't positioning myself as a product launch marketing. That's something that's developed. But at the time when I decided to quit my job and, and start my own mini freelancing business, I did spend a lot of time thinking about 
what I would specialize in. I've read a lot that generalization was tough, uh, tough to differentiate yourself when, you, when you're claiming to offer everything. And yeah, a lot of the full service agencies that do offer from social to paid ads to email marketing to web development. And I can't wear that many hats. So at the time I had to make a decision on what I wanted to focus on. And that was, a, I think, a very good decision in allowing, uh, in allowing the business to progress and allowing the business to find clients early on. In, in order to find clients, you have to have credibility. It's a lot easier to get credibility when you're focusing on just a couple of services than trying to get credibility across 10 different marketing services. So that, was allowed, that allowed me to, to focus on what I think I'm good at at the time and what I was specifically good at as a freelancer and allowed me to collect quickly credibility and case studies around those particular services, which then helped me find more clients. And, and as time's gone on, Russell Marketing has a lot of value in partnerships. So we, we work on very specific marketing channels. Uh, but as part of a product launch, the same clients need need many other services. We, you know, we, we have all of our clients need video content, for example, but we don't do video. So we work with a lot of videography agencies uh, who we can then refer our clients to and, and they'll do the same for us. So those kind of relationships have, have, uh, have served us very well over the years now. That's great. And clicking through your site, you seem to, it seems like you also specialize in clients that are doing physical products, right? Like it seems like there's a lot of physical products on Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Yeah, we, we do tend to work solely with, with physical products. They're just easier, to be honest. And when we're deciding mm-hmm. which kind of products suit our systems, uh, the, the hardware, the physical products tend to get better results. And so those, those are the products we tend to work with more often than not. And I see on your site, you've got an outline of your five-step system and process. But I'm wondering if you can go a little bit deeper, maybe if you could pick a recent client or a case study you've, you've gotten that you want to walk through and just kind of talk us through their recent journey. So from how, the, how you got started with them, you know, how you started generating leads to building out the campaign to the successful, you know, it looks like you've got a few companies where they've hit a quarter million dollars on, on Kickstarter revenues through the successful Kickstarter uh, campaign. So um, I'll, I'll leave it to you if you want to pick a client or if you just want to kind of generalize it, but it looks like you've got some great case studies you could talk about. Yeah, well, I mean, we do have a very specific system that we implement that we work, we work with for all clients. It obviously, it needs tweaking in certain areas. The positioning for one project will be different to positioning for another one. But ultimately, the five-step system we found to be very replicable, scalable, and we can bring as essentially a product, even though we're a service-based business, we can bring it as a product. And our processes, templates, content, creative, this part of that product is really what we're delivering to the, to the client. So to give it as an example, there's a, there's a five-step process in this entire customer journey, right, that you've seen on the website. The first is market research and strategy. And that's when, as soon as we've onboarded a client, we're working with them on their business positioning the audience, competitive nature of the space, and building our plan of action for them on how we're going to launch their product or event or whatever it is that we're bringing to the public. The second and third step of that system are audience acquisition and audience engagement, and they work during a pre-launch phase. A pre-launch phase is the build-up 
to the actual launch of the of the product. This is where something like Kickoff Labs comes in. So the audience acquisition is obviously about building up an audience, a prospective audience of customers. And then the engagement phase of that is engaging those potential customers and making sure that when you do go live with your product, they're excited. They're going to get their credit card out. They're going to buy something from you. And so what the way, the way something like Kickoff Labs will come into play there is it's a great A-B testing platform. So we can make sure that we're acquiring leads uh, in a affordable and effective way. We run a lot of A-B tests uh, on the platform to, to bring the, the cost per lead down, for example, increase the landing page conversion rate, stuff like that. And then from an engagement standpoint, Kickoff Labs is useful in the referral functionality. So when we bring folks in as leads, we can then allow them to participate in a, in a referral campaign where they can share with their friends, and that gives us the additional benefit of obviously bringing more traffic to the page, bringing more eyeballs to the product, and building that audience uh, even further. Then steps four and five of our system, they happen once a product is live, once you can actually <coughs> purchase the product. So that's audience conversion and then buy the scale and optimize. So this, about, this would be when they're live on Kickstarter, for example. Yeah, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, we do a lot of regular website product launches too. Uh, whenever the customer is unable to actually make a, a purchase of some sort. Uh, and we're converting, you know, working hard using ads, emails to convert all these audiences we've built pre-launch and then scaling that as, as much as we can. So, you know, bringing a thousand customers early on, can we make it 5,000 during that launch period? And so that system overall, as you say, is it's working pretty well in that it's replicable. We can take that system, we can use it in lots of different use cases. Uh, and move everyone essentially through the same customer journey from our perspective. So can you come up uh, for each of these steps or for the first one, let's go back to the market research and product strategy. So I can see you've done a campaign for a product called Sheets and Giggles. So there's obviously a lot of competition in the betting space. And so what did you, what do you learn during that phase for a company like them? You say, oh man, you've got so much competition. Like how do you help them you know, come up with this launch strategy and this customer acquisition in such a crowded space? There's, there's two, two main things we're trying to understand in that phase from our perspective as the marketing team. We, try, we want to know who are the audiences we should be targeting. So that's going to come from, we have questionnaires that the clients will answer to give their perspective on who they want to target. And then we'll map and kind of cross-reference that information with what we see. We use, for example, Facebook Audience Insights tool to identify what does Facebook say this demographic looks like? How does that compare to what the client thinks that demographic looks like? So that's how we're building out an audience. Uh, and then the second thing we're really looking for is how to position the product. So if you pause there for a second. So I, I like this concept. So what you're doing is you're asking the client and saying, where do you think your audience is and what kind of people do you think your audience? And then you're going to a tool like Facebook audiences and using that to validate what the client told you and saying, hey, this is what we're seeing about this audience. Does this match then what you're expecting? Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, often it doesn't, right? Often there is a, a bit of a gap there that we need to bridge. Uh, and that's what, that's what the, the data is for. Uh, one of the biggest things we'll often see is people thinking they know what they want, thinking they know who they should target, thinking they know how they should speak to the customer. And the, the reality of the data is actually quite different. So we want to set that expectation and make that clear very early on. 
Uh, and if the client is wrong, we, we need to make them clear on that. If they're right, then great. We can build on that with, with, uh, with data and confidence. Okay, now let's go back to, you know, forward to, again, to step two, the audience acquisition. And so you said this is where Kickoff Labs comes in handy uh, for, for being, you know, helping with the A-B testing uh, and the lead generation and then the engagement with the referrals. But backing up a step, that all requires that you're getting some traffic to the campaign that's hosted on Kickoff Labs at that point. And so where in this process are you driving traffic and how are you driving traffic for the typical customer you have? The vast majority is going to come from Facebook or Instagram advertising. <laughs> that's, that's going to be the vast majority of our traffic. Uh, we find that those ad platforms are the, are the best for driving affordable and targeted traffic. Uh, and generally <clears throat> it's a way to do it very, very quickly. When we're doing a product launch, we don't want to, prepare for six months driving prospective customers to a landing page because they'll, they'll forget by the time the launch comes around. So we need to be able to scale very, very quickly. And those ad platforms allow you to do that. What we also rely on is the referral component within Kickoff Labs. Some, and that's really hit and miss in terms of how people respond to that. Sometimes the product doesn't suit it. Sometimes people just don't want to participate in that. But when we see it work well, we can see upwards of you know 40%, 45% of the leads we bring in coming from that referral functionality. I would say on average, we look for a benchmark in our launches of you know, any, anything up to 10% referral is good for us. But, uh, but sometimes if, if you have something that really resonates, sheets and giggles resonated well, then, then that can be a real, real bonus in bringing in a really affordable uh, group of prospective customers. Yeah, that's, those are great numbers. I mean, it's great to hear that that's working. Have you been able to figure out in your estimate for your clients, what are examples of things uh, or product categories, or, or maybe there's patterns where the referral marketing piece works better than others? Well, firstly, I would say that there's got to be a good incentive there. And it sounds, it sounds like it may obviously has common sense, but you know, giving away a t-shirt or something that doesn't really relate to the product isn't going to work. So when we, if we're going to run a referral project within Kickoff Labs, we have to feel good about the, the offerings the client can provide for that. Like, for example, with hardware products, you can often have accessories. So you can offer the accessories as incentives for referrals, or you can give the product away as an incentive for referrals. So, so give, me, was, give an example of like a hardware product and an accessory campaign where, that would work well. Uh, for example, okay, so, well, here's an example. There's one called Zygo we recently launched, and that was a wireless headset. And one of the incentives we can drive to, to push people to take further action once they're on board are things like engravings. So you can engrave the product. You know, the first 100 products can be engraved. Uh, it's pretty easy for them to do, uh, in a, especially in a pre-order stage. Uh, and it's also a nice little bonus for the user. If they're interested in the product and they're interested in helping a company launch, which is what you know, a lot of crowdfunding is, then, then that ownership and that feeling of responsibility towards that particular product or that particular brand would be rewarded and shown through something like having a special engraving. Like You're going to be one of 100 people in the world to ever have an engraving so uh so 
So I was I would I would point to to accessories like that or sorry or uh, and Zygo also had the option they were uh, for wireless headset for the underwater and so they could offer additional accessories for swimmers for example like goggles or caps or uh, things like that which were very targeted to that particular audience. In general though, I would say older women are much more likely to refer. So ultimately if you have a product that's targeting you know maybe young adult men i think however good your referral incentive is you're going to have a harder time getting people to use it than if you're targeting 40 year old women that's a that, that's a great set of insights i mean so what i heard and this validates what what we see as well at kickoff labs which is if you're going to get referrals there has to be a good incentive which is what i heard you say the incentive is ideally as directly tied to the product as possible. Meaning if you're giving away, if it's a product that's uh, if, if it's a electronic piece, it's an accessory for the product that complements the product or something that has unique value on the product being like an inscription or a special service, but doing things, what I see where I see people failing is they'll do things like they'll do the swag piece of it and they'll say, well, you can get a t-shirt with our logo on it for 20 referrals. And I always have to tell people, I, I don't think people are going to get 20 friends to sign up for a t-shirt. <laughs> um, you know, I can't get five friends of mine to go to the same place for brunch. I'm not going to get 20 to go for, for a t-shirt, but I could get three people to go up for an inscription um, or something. I tell you, something you, people also would notice is how small the percentile is of people that actually do share, right? And so the amount of people that are going to share with 10 people is it so minute as a percentage. I think it's some, off the top of my head, we see numbers like 0.025% or something, share with 20 people or something, tiny, tiny numbers. So we try and make sure there's always a, an option to share with just one person. So we always reward people for just one share because anyone can always share with one person. A lot of people won't, but having that first kind of milestone of you share with one person, you get X, it helps us increase the actual number of people that are participating in such a referral contest. Yeah, that's a great best practice as well. So I'll often tell people to set a referral number at one or two and just have something that feels achievable and that there's really two ends of the spectrum of people sharing. There's your influencers who you know, are that 0.01% or something in your audience that are going to get, you know, 10 to a hundred more people to sign up. And then there's the average person, which with their following and their friends can maybe get one to two people to sign up. And so that's a great, you know, it's a great best practice to have a reward that feels achievable at the one or two level for people. Yeah. What what parts of uh, of the process for you guys proves uh, the most challenging? Um, I know that's a difficult question. So, is it the stage of the referrals? Is it the conversion to the paid part? Is it the research? So, where where do you find the biggest challenges for for people setting up these campaigns in the process? Um, I think the biggest challenge for anyone, whether they're aware of it at the time or not, is gonna be assessing the purchase intent of prospective customers. So some someone who doesn't who's never done this before 
and he's using a platform like Kickoff Labs to bring in leads, they might not know what the benchmarks they should be looking for are to indicate these leads really care or they're really interested or they're really not very interested. Uh, and then what that means from an actual conversion standpoint, like how many of these leads are going to become customers. And if you're someone like us who's done many, many, many of these campaigns, we know what those benchmarks are, but it's still, until you actually ask someone to buy a product at a certain price point, it's hard to really put your flag down just to say these guys will convert or they won't. So I think for anyone, the, the, hard, the, the biggest challenge we face every, you know, in every campaign is making sure that we're keeping as close an eye as possible, as possible on what is the intent being shown by these leads and, and are they going to take the action we want them to ultimately. Yeah, I, I agree. It's hard to always know no matter how many people you get. And people ask me this all the time is they'll ask me for their campaign, what percentage of people, these leads that I'm getting in kickoff labs are going to buy my product? And, and I, have, I have to tell them like, I, it's ranged. When I've done interviews with customers, because before I was doing this podcast, I'll just talk to a lot of customers. I'd hear numbers anywhere from, from a 2% conversion rate after 30 days, you know, up to I've had some people tell me it's 20% of people have bought it. And it seems very dependent on the price point and the market that they're after. And so I, there's not a great answer for them in that case. Yeah, no, there's, there's not a great answer for that in that case. I always turn it back to them and say, well, at what conversion rate do you need it? What conversion rate do you need it to be? Because they should have an idea of what the, the, profit, the, you know, the, the cost is going to be for, of a transaction value when a customer buys. If they're using paid sources in any way to drive traffic to the page, they know how much that's costing them uh, and they know how much a lead is costing them. So I think... I try and turn it back to them and say, well, what do you need it to be? And as, as a, an advertising agency with a lot of experience, we can tell them whether we think that's possible or not. Uh, and, and that usually helps us identify, well, who are we going to work with and who we're not going to work with. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's ultimately important, especially in your case, to make sure that clients have realistic expectations. When somebody comes and says, well, we need a 40% conversion rate, that's where I'd have to say, well, I think he, you, you need some more help than what we could provide uh, these days. Uh, yeah. Great. So we've, you've given a lot of great advice and a lot of, uh, a lot of best practices. We have a lot of customers who are interested in pre-selling, pre-launching physical products like you have. What are what's one or two pieces of advice that maybe we haven't touched on that you give to your clients or, you know, that you think is important for people to hear who are trying to run campaigns similar to the ones that you guys are running successfully? Yeah. I, Aside from hiring you, everybody should go to russellmarketing.co and, and see if there's a free there campaign. So aside from hiring you guys, what, what are the biggest pieces of advice you would give them? I think people skip a lot of the preparation and people imagine a lot of the effort will happen once a product is for sale. If you're, if you're launching just a regular e-commerce store, then that may be true. But if you're launching something from a pre-order standpoint, you're really looking to get a big, you may make a splash at launch. That's not going to happen without a lot of preparation. And so I would say, you know, 80% perhaps of your budget, if you're preparing your marketing budget, should probably go towards, before you even go live, 
before the product's even for sale. That, that's the kind of focus and investment you should be putting on the, the preparation and the pre-launch phase, which I think people skip over. They, they don't want to spend that time or money. And it's a big risk, I get it. But if you're launching, especially on crowdfunding, and you don't start strong, you, you, you're going to fail. So the, the focus on pre-launch is something that really can't be emphasized enough. And along with that, I guess I would say, I don't think people are often prepared for the investment that it will take. Uh, you know, when you're looking at using paid advertising as a channel, or when you're looking at implementing a, a proper kind of lead collection funnel, like using a tool like Kickoff Labs, the, the investment to, to make to make those leads uh, come in and, and run those ads and hire those experts is high. Uh, and it's, it's and people look at crowdfunding and launch campaigns and they see these ones that reach millions of dollars and there's no pretending those, those campaigns are investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in their marketing. Maybe in 2015 or 2014, you had people who invested 10K and ended up raising half a million because that was the nature of that space. But now if you're launching a product, you really need to put your investment in because there's just so much competition. There are so many platforms where people are launching their products in a pre-order capacity. And, uh, and so you're going to have to be prepared to spend that money in order to make that money. And as a rule of thumb, which might be useful, when we have pre-order clients, we tell them you're probably going to spend about 20% of your market of your way, total ways on your marketing. So if someone comes to us and says, hey, well, we want to make $100,000, I'll say, okay, you're probably going to end up spending about 20K on marketing. And that's a good rule of thumb both ways. If people come to us and say, hey, well, we've got 20K to spend, what do you think is going to happen with that? Then I can say, well, I think you could probably make six figures, just about six figures with that kind of, with that kind of budget. So that's a good rule of thumb I think people can make use of. That, that's, uh, that's great advice. And it's also, I think, true that people have a view of these campaigns that they see. And, and I think it's just human nature. You look at things and you assume the grass is always super green and you look at a campaign that gets half a million or a million dollars and it always looks kind of organic and no one looks at it and says, well, was that all organic or were they spending you know, $20,000, $40,000 on PR, on marketing, on advertising to drive that, uh, to drive that form. And, and I think the answer is typically, especially now, like you say, uh, it's, it's always that they're spending a lot of effort on the back end, whether that's their own sweat equity and in, in building out an audience and influencers, or it's their own, you know, marketing dollars going directly into the advertising, um, especially in, in, for that last case. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we're nearing an end. Uh, do you have a, a couple more minutes to go through a fast five series of questions? Sure. All right. So for you, how do you get into the work zone? <laughs> Where you're just feeling productive. <laughs> Google Calendar. I plan out everything in my calendar, and therefore I have no choice but to be in the work zone because it's there waiting for me. I think that's, that's the best way. So you're a slave to your own calendar then? Slave to my calendar at the moment, yeah. Perfect. Favorite vacation destination? Costa Rica. Why do you love it? My girlfriend's from Costa Rica, and so we managed to spend quite a bit of time down there. And it's just, they have a good, uh, there's lots of great beaches there. They have a great mentality in those beach areas. Uh, it's also a very accommodating, very friendly country. And it's easy to get, we, we're based in Brooklyn, so a flight down to Costa Rica is nice and easy. You can do it for a weekend. 
so all in all, it's a, it's a good spot to be in. It sounds amazing. So your favorite podcast? Hmm. Apart from Kickoff Lab. <laughs> apart from the yet unlaunched podcast that by the time people hear this, it will be launched. But apart from that, yeah. Well, I don't listen. Actually, I'm going through a phase of not listening to podcasts that much. But one I used to listen to very religiously was the Tim Ferriss podcast. Uh, he was someone I listened to for a long time. Uh, and I always enjoyed what he had to say. But to be honest, I think over the last year or so, I've focused more. Uh, I actually, I've tried to get back more into reading than listening to things. And so I don't, I don't listen to podcasts as much as I used to. Okay, so I'll, I'll switch the next question up then and ask uh, the, the best, best uh, book you've read recently. The best book I've read recently, I think, is pertinent to this conversation is one called Build to Sell by a guy called John Warrillow. And uh, that book gave me a lot of great insights on how to build a, a scalable, sustainable business. It's called Build to Sell. So obviously the idea there is that you're preparing a business that's valuable to someone else. But I think one of the lessons it teaches is that by doing that process, you're actually building a business that's very valuable to yourself. It's just about removing yourself from the mm-hmm. business and having a built a system that works for you. So I would say build to sell. I'll have to check that out. So someone you look up to personal or business wise? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, someone I look up to, I think in a, and I shouldn't always, but is Elon Musk. I know he has a lot of his pitfalls and he says a lot of stupid stuff and I think he works too hard and he doesn't really have much of a balance in his life. However, the the audacity he has to have done what he's done and launched the businesses he's launched and the risks he's taken in some of his businesses uh, and what he wants to do, I just think he's got a lot of admirable traits. And so I often think of, of Elon Musk when I'm thinking about who could I learn from? I think that's a great answer. And I think I would agree, despite some of his faults, there's no doubting the audacity and his sincerity in his business and his goals that he has. All right. Well, I think we're a little bit over time. So I want to thank you again for coming on and sharing, uh, sharing part of your story and how you're helping your clients grow and the, um, the system you've got for doing these pre-launches. If anybody listening to this is interested, uh, you can go to russellmarketing.co to learn more about the services. Uh, and that link will be in the show notes as well. So people can, uh, can check, check them out. Uh, they've consistently run uh, for the last uh, for the last few years very very uh, well performing uh, kickoff labs campaigns on our service for doing the lead generation and the referral marketing for pre launches and so uh, I know that the system they have and the people they've got working there are are doing a great job for their clients and so I I would recommend them uh, to anybody looking to do this type of campaign. Anyway, uh, thanks again for being on today, and uh, I hope you have a uh, great rest of your day. Thanks so much, Josh. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right, another episode in the can, as it were. I hope I've got that terminology correct. I think I do. I just want to say that uh, if you've enjoyed this, or even if you haven't enjoyed it, uh, you can write us a review on iTunes 
And I'd love it if you sent me an email at josh at kickofflabs.com. You'll be sure to get a reply, and I'd just love to hear what you think of the show and how we can improve. Have a great day.